As I have this opportunity, I want to share my heart with you. In fact, I am quite selfishly motivated today because what I am going to say is something that I really need to hear for myself. So I hope you would forgive me of me being a little bit selfish, but hopefully this is something you needed to be reminded of as well. Ministry is not easy, right? You all know that. Ministry is not easy. Men, as we have already talked about this morning, men are sinful and do not conform to the demands of the Lord easily. Different ministries have different challenges, and all challenges are hard. And you're experiencing that here. Especially when you consider international ministries or mission fields where gospel has not been reached, there are unique challenges that sometimes overwhelm our hearts. I heard someone say that unreached people groups of today are unreached because all the easy fields have already been reached. And I thought when I first heard that, that was totally obvious, but it was really shocking to me in a sense because I've never thought about that way. 2,000 years of Christian history, many men and women went, proclaimed the gospel, reached the people, and here you are, right? But there are many other places where the gospel has not penetrated. And again, 2,000 years later, those places are left because it's difficult to reach for whatever reason is. Not, I'm not saying that it's easier to reach certain regions and more difficult. It's all God's work. But at the same time, I think there are certain truth to that. Only the hard ones are left, and that include the people of Japan. According to the Joshua Project, which provides some interesting statistical information on missions, Japanese is the second largest unreached people group in the world today. Second largest. Most of 126 million people living there have never heard the gospel. or have ever read a passage from a Bible. There are no physical persecutions of believers, unlike some of the, the more challenging countries, but there are so much social and cultural hardship that hinders the spread of the gospel among the people of Japan. Our enemy has done a great job there. I often say to people that if Satan has a conference and if there will be a keynote speaker on that conference, then I would say that the, the devil in charge of Japan would be the one of the main speakers. Because just the lifestyle the, the pressure of life, the understanding of religion, the culture, and everything else 
It just goes against everything about the Bible and the spread of the gospel. Japan, nowadays, oftentimes termed as the missionary graveyard. Not because missionaries are physically dying, but their careers are. It is that difficult. It is not uncommon to have a faithful missionary working hard, preaching the gospel for over decades, seeing no converts whatsoever. Churches are struggling in many ways, and perhaps the biggest challenge is currently threatening the church in Japan is the lack of shepherds, lack of shepherds in the church. Recent studies showed that the average age of pastors in Japan is, can you guess? The average age of pastors is upper 60s. Majority of the pastors are in the 70s. I've personally known a situation where a pastor retired from a church at age 70. His replacement came a few years later at age 73. Men, especially young men, are not interested in pastoral ministry that within the next 10 years, significant amount of churches will be without shepherds. And that trend has already started. As a pastor of a new church plant and a man who desired to train others for pastoral ministry, where do I find hope? Where do I find hope? Challenges are real and overwhelming at times. How can I move forward? I know you don't have the same challenges as I do, but I do know that you face in your own life and ministry, in your own life circumstances, that you sometimes feel helpless and hopeless. Where do you find hope? Turn your Bibles, if you have with you, to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. And we want to look at one of the most beloved verses in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Many of you have already memorized it, probably not even needed to turn there. Solomon tells us where confident hope comes from and what it provides for us. And again, I want to share my heart with you this morning because in this passage I find my confident hope. The hope that I can go on serving Christ. The hope that I can go on serving him no matter how hard the ministry is and how hard our life can be. And even how grim the future looks. Again, I need to be reminded as I head back to Japan 
And I hope and pray that God's grace, by God's grace, this will encourage you and help you as you go through challenges of your own life here today. So let me read our text. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I first want to look where our confident hope comes from. Where our confident hope comes from. There are three, three places, three that Solomon identifies where we draw our confident hope. So let's go through this one by one. First of all, Solomon tells us that our confident hope comes from complete confidence in God. It comes from complete confidence in God. Look at the beginning of verse 5. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trusting in God is where our confident hope comes from. And this word, trust, really is the key word that we must clearly understand. Hebrew dictionaries tell us that the word translated here as trust conveys the meaning of security. The meaning of security. In Septuagint, a Greek translation of Hebrew Old Testament, this word trust, the Hebrew word trust, it is consistently translated as hope or looking forward because it expresses our confident expectation of security in God for present and for future. And with this understanding, one pastor asked his congregation this very pointed and clear question. And I quote, When you look at your present circumstances, or when you look to the future of your life, are you fundamentally confident or fearful? How would you answer that? When you look at your present circumstances or when you look to the future of your life, are you fundamentally confident or are you fearful? And he says, that is the essence of what is at stake when we talk about trusting in the Lord. It's how you look at the future and what your confidence is based on as you look to the future. You see, you trust God no matter what the external circumstances are because you affirm confidence in his goodness and faithfulness. Even when the circumstantial evidences would testify to the contrary, you have hope 
Because you say from the bottom of your heart, I am confident that God is good and he is faithful. You may ask how you could have that confidence. The answer is rather simple, right? It is revealed in his word. You see, trust is a righteous confidence that we render toward God in response to revealed certainties. It is a revealed certainty that God is loving, correct? God is gracious. God is holy. God is true. God is infinite. He is self-existent and that he is good above anything. And he is faithful to his people. Who God is that is revealed in the scripture is more certain, more certain than your next breath. And in every circumstance of your life, that is the anchor that holds you at the bay of certain confident expectation of security. Let me illustrate this for you. Turn with me to another familiar passage, Psalm 23. I wish I had time to go over that psalm as well. Such a beautiful psalm. Psalm 23, and look at verse 4 for a moment. David writes this, Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Why is that? For you are with me. You are with me. And later in verse 6, the very end, he again writes, surely, surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And again, we don't really know exactly when David wrote this psalm, but we know that he lived with many challenges and difficulties, including life-threatening situations, both from Saul, the former king, and his own son, Absalom. And we can glean from the context of Psalm 23 itself about dangers he faced. And yet he trusted, David trusted the Lord both in his present and future circumstances and said, all is well. Why? Why could he do that? Because he knew who his God was, right? What does he say in the beginning of that psalm? God is who? His shepherd. God is his shepherd that he can have confident hope. And then Solomon adds a little phrase here in verse 5, the Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord, what? With all your heart. With all your heart. The heart is the mission control center of your life. 
It is the place of your thinking, emotions, and will. In other words, he is calling you to trust him with all that you are with single focus. God demands you, demands you to trust him with the entirety of your being. In another psalm, Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8, David writes these words. He says this, My soul wait in silence, silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my, my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge, is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. Is this what you are telling your soul this morning? Do you have confident hope because you have God as your refuge? Are you saying the only way my life can turn out for me is good? Because God is good and he is faithful. No matter how bad the outlook of life and ministry is, even when the bad and terrible things of life come and unexpected pains and sorrows swallow you up, you trust God. You trust God with all your heart because you know, don't you know? You know He's good, loving, compassionate, and faithful. After all, did He not place His Son to make you His own? Anchor your hope in the character of God. Leave out the conviction of your heart. Nothing happens in this life can change that truth. So you can trust in him with all your heart. And it makes great sense to trust in God since he is great and good God, doesn't it? Right? Then the question is, why do we fail? True, I fail, I get anxious, I get fearful, things get unknown, things thrown at me all the time, and we panic. Why would we do that? It's so simple. God is good, He is faithful, He's unchanging, He's always compassionate towards us. Why do we not trust Him? Why do we fail at such a simple and obvious task of trusting God? Solomon says that it is because we rely on our own understanding rather than relying on God, right? He says trusting God means not just having confidence in Him, but also relying on, him, on nothing but Him alone. You see, by placing this contrast, 
Solomon is showing us the second aspect of the source of our confident hope, which is our confident hope comes from relying on him alone. Relying on him alone. In verse 5, we see the opposite of trusting in the Lord that is depending on what we see and what we understand. The verb to lean. Lean not. The verb lean is a word that describes someone with broken leg leaning on a crutch. It means to support your entire being on something or someone. And Solomon tells us not to put your entire being on your own understanding, on your own figuring out, your own intuition, or your own emotional responses. It is a prohibition for relying on an understanding that lacks divine instruction. Our natural understanding must be informed and oftentimes needs to be corrected by divine instruction. What is prohibited is to rely on it as a replacement for God. It tells us not to use our own understanding of life as our primary support in life or how we view our lives. Our common sense our own understanding must always be checked by biblical sense. In fact, we are to cultivate our thinking with biblical thinking, always checking to see if our understanding of life reflects biblical reality. And you see, that biblical reality is that God is good, right? And all the characteristics of God revealed in the scripture are true. But when we do not allow this truth to instruct our, per our perceptions, we fail to trust God. When we don't trust in the Lord and lean on our own understanding, we make our conclusions based upon what we perceive as true. Our sense of security lies on what we perceive as good. Money provides security. Health gives happiness. We create, create in our own minds what sustains us in our daily lives. We make up our own causes of happiness. And when these things do not line up as you wish, you, wish to, then you panic. You feel anxious when your life is uncertain. When bad things happen and you feel pain, you become doubtful and fearful of your future. And how you interpret the circumstances of life becomes the guiding principle of your life. It becomes the controlling factor of how you perceive what goes on in this world and in your own life. Worse than that, you often reason from our circumstances to project 
what the character of God must be like. That is the exact opposite of what you are supposed to do. You are supposed to understand your circumstances from the character of God. Let me ask you a few questions. Is your perception of life circumstances, your perception of life circumstances, more accurate, more accurate than what the Word of God says? Do you know what is good for you better than God does? Do you know how your current situation will turn out to be in the overall purpose of God? Or simply put, do you even know what is truly good for yourself? We often place conditional trust. I hate to say this, but I think it's true for, my, for me for sure. We often place conditional trust in the Lord. I mean, we trust God as long as things turn out the way we want them to be. But we do not even know what is truly good in our, in our own lives. We're like children who want to eat just ice cream every day for every meal, right? Because it seems right to us. It seems good to us. Not really. But that's who we are. Our perception of life gives us illusions as to what is truly good making us frustrated and anxious and, or proud and self-confident, at times even angry at God when things do not turn out to be the way we want. But Solomon says, do not, do not lean on your own understanding. So do you trust in God or do you lean on your own understanding? Do you make conclusions based upon what you feel? Or do you make conclusions based upon who God is? If you place your own feelings and intuitions above the truth of God's word, you really are not trusting in God. I really do not understand why God has not given Japanese great awakening. I struggle with that. Why? He can do it, right? In the flash of a moment, he can melt away all the hardened hearts of people of Japan and bring a great revival. He hasn't done that. Why? I have no idea, but I know God is good. His plans are better than mine. Do I trust that or do I get frustrated? I don't know why God hasn't opened the hearts of the people. Should I be discouraged? 
Should I doubt the goodness of, and loving care of God for the people of Japan? I have a choice. I have a choice. Do I trust in the Lord or do I rely? Do I lean on my own understanding? Now, I know I'm out of time. I had to throw that in. <clears throat> This leads to a third source. Our confident hope comes from knowing God. I'm trying to be as quick as I can now. <clears throat> you must trust in who God is with, what, with all your heart, and you must not rely on your own understanding. And then Solomon says, Acknowledge Him in all your ways. This third point really is how to do the first two. Solomon is telling us how you can live your life. Trusting in God and not leaning on your own understanding. Let's look at our main verb in verse 6. What is your impression of the word acknowledge? Acknowledge Him. It may just be me, but whenever I hear a word acknowledge, it automatically translates in my mind it's more to do with recognition, to recognize. The Hebrew word here, though, is actually a word that should be expressed as to know. Know. And it often expresses the intimate knowledge of a husband and a wife, like Genesis 4 1, Adam knew Eve. Or it is the knowledge of God that He has over us. As we see it in Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2, God knows us inside and out. It is the personal knowledge that is pervasive, deep, and intimate. And that's what Solomon's telling us. And look also at the qualifying prepositional phrase there. It says, In all your ways, know him. The word way refers to all of your path that you go. So, in other words, he's basically saying, In all your dealings of life, whatever you say, whatever you do, wherever you go, know, know the Lord intimately. And、that's what this clause is saying. In order to trust God, we must know Him in an intimate, personal way. Psalm 9, verses 8 and 9 says this The Lord also knows,、uh, sorry, the Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You must come to a deeper personal relationship with Him. As a result of seeking Him in all circumstances of life and discovering Him to be trustworthy. And this only comes through the Word of God alone, right? 
because that's the only place where we know who God is. It is in the scripture that we find an adequate view of God, God's relationship to and involvement in our life circumstances. It is only from the scripture applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we receive the grace to trust God, whether in times of prosperity or in times of adversity. There is no other place but the word of God to know about God. He has revealed himself in this book, and we must study it, understand it, and know it carefully. In all our courses of life, actions, and undertakings, we must strive to have intimate knowledge of our great God, our good God, so that we will live our lives as obedient children of God. Knowing and trusting God is not secondary add-on to, our, to your earthly pursuits, your earthly career, and your earthly relationships. It is your primary call, primary call of life. The more you know him, the more you trust him. The more you trust him, the more you want to know him. Do you know him? Do you know your God? Do you know your God intimately? Do you know him without any shadow of a doubt at the moment of most desperate situation of your life? Can he be your anchor? What a great God we have. He is our confident hope. When you trust God, rely on Him, and know Him in all your ways, you will have confident hope in all circumstances of life. Your knowledge of God anchors you, your heart at the bay of hope even when the storms of life and ministry surrounds you. But that is not only thing Solomon tells us in this passage. He tells us that this confident hope provides security in our life and ministry. Confident hope provides security. Solomon writes, he will make your path straight. The verb to make straight can be translated as to make smooth. For some reason, I like that one better. God makes my, my path smooth. In either case, it may be summarized as removing obstacles so as to walk straight. Isn't that great? If we trust God, if we don't rely on our own selves and know him all the ways, then he will remove our obstacles of life. Well, it's not that easy, not so fast. It's true that sometimes the Lord removes difficulties and challenging situations and circumstances from our lives so that you will continue to walk down the path of righteousness. But you know what? 
I don't know about you, but that doesn't often happen to my life. And I know someone who has trusted him so much better than all of us combined. You know who his name is? His name was Paul, the apostle. Paul, I believe, trusted the Lord and who asked the Lord for removing his obstacles. Remember that? 2 Corinthians. Did he receive that? Was his obstacles removed? No. Didn't happen. What did he get instead? He received grace and strength from the Lord to move forward despite the obstacles of life. God may or may not remove the challenges we face as we minister in Japan. God may or may not remove your challenges as you live your life here. God may or may not bring many to repentance. He may or may not work in the hearts of men to desire for pastoral ministry. He may not give you and I that which we desire to have, but he gives us grace in our lives to have satisfaction in him. Whether he does or not, God is making our lives smooth either way. He gives us grace to continue serving him, no matter what the outcomes may be. He is indeed making our lives straight. What is, made, what is being made smooth is not the road that we walk on or the actions that we take. Rather, it is the way we understand and respond to the various roads that we walk on. That is how God blesses us. And he will do this to all those who trust in him with all their hearts. If you trust in the Lord, as these verses have told us, you will not need, you will not need to fret. For you know the good and faithful God who is sovereign and wise and almighty has promised you to make your paths smooth. Life often does not make sense to us. What happens in and around our lives make us confused and concerned. But when you have true trust in God, it always anchors you down at the Bay of Hope. Hope that is so concrete and sure that you will not be shaken by any winds or waves. No matter where you find yourself to be, you are right where God wants you to be. And what you perceive to be obstacles are simply the things that God is going to work through to accomplish his work in your life. They are no reason for you not to trust in him. Jerry Bridges 
in his wonderful book, Trusting God, wrote these words. And I quote, When we disobey God, we defy his authority and despise his holiness. But when we fail to trust God, we doubt his sovereignty and question his goodness. In both cases, we cast aspersions upon his majesty and his character. We consider willful disobedience to be a serious sin against the holy God. If we do that, then we better consider willful distrust to be as serious a sin against the sovereign God. You may feel like God is absent from your sight. You may feel like he is against you. But when you know him more intimately through the word of God, you will become confident that one who gave up his son on the cross for you will always be there for you. We must always view our adverse circumstances through the eyes of faith, not through the eyes of sense. Just as the faith of salvation comes through hearing the message of the gospel, so the faith to trust God is a, in, in an adversity comes through the word of God alone. The Bible tells us that God is sovereign. He executes his plan perfectly. He knows what he is doing and what he does is always good. We don't understand what he does perfectly most of the time. So we may wonder why things happen in a way it does. But we know. We know who is responsible for all that happens in our lives. And knowing that causes knowing that causes us to have confident hope because we know God is good. We know he only does good. Did you know that he cannot do bad? He can only do good for you because he is good. I wish I can see thousands of Japanese turn to Christ because of hundreds of pastors faithfully, accurately, boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to see all believers grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ as they gather together to edify one another. When I don't see that happening in ministry, and indeed what appears to be the opposite take place in front of my eyes, there is a danger. There is a danger to lose my hope. So pray for me. Pray for me that I will always have this perspective. I will always trust in the Lord with all my heart. I will lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, know him. Knowing that he will make my paths. Paths of ministry, paths of my life. Smooth. And when I do that, when I walk in that path, 
God gets the glory. Because he alone receives that glory. We trust in a great God. Let us remind ourselves that we can have that confident hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your care, your kindness, your goodness. We confess that we fail so miserably to trust in you. Such a simple task knowing who you are. But Lord, teach us. Teach us to know you more. Teach us to rely on you alone. You are worthy to be trusted. You are good, and you do good. Help each one of us to be reminded of that very truth. No matter what the life throws at us, no matter what the enemies try to stumble us, may we continue to trust in you as we live our life following you. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.